New Thought Media Network. We are a global broadcast network of positive music, media, and entertainment. Inspiring humanity's evolution along the journey of enlightenment and creating a world of love, peace, empowerment, and prosperity for all. New Thought Media Network. Positively inspiring. Welcome to Ministers Talking Sh a weekly program where Rev Briz and Rev Z and their guests chat about current affairs. Welcome to Ministers Talking Sh a weekly program where Rev Briz and Rev Z and their guests chat about current affairs, world events, spiritual principles, and any old sh they want to talk about. Based on the new thought philosophy and ancient wisdoms, Ministers Talking Sh shares a visionary perspective of the evolving spiral called spiritual living. Join us each week as we explore the emerging paradigm of life on planet Earth and beyond. And good morning, dear ones. Reverend Robert over here. Rev Z right here. I'm Reverend Karen Frost. And we're a few ministers talking shit today. Uh, we do want to welcome our special guests. For those that join us every week, thank you for being with us. This is uh, the New Thought Media Network. This program happens every Friday at 7 a.m. Mountain Time. And we, uh, when we do have guests, we don't always have guests, but we love to because it really enriches the conversation. Today we have with us Reverend Karen Frost. She's the assistant minister at the United Life Center for Spiritual Living in Oklahoma City. Also the co-founder and senior minister of Spirit Uncensored, an organization that teaches love as a religion. Spirit Uncensored hosts virtual services on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Central Time. And Reverend Karen also serves on the Centers for Spiritual Living Global Themes team. She works full-time as a case manager at Sisu, I hope I'm saying that properly, Youth Services, which is an LGBT plus affirming youth homeless shelter. Prior to Oklahoma City, Reverend Karen served as a TV creative executive at Juvie Productions. That's Viola Davis and Julius Tenen's production company in Los Angeles. At Juvie, Reverend Karen developed TV projects told from marginalized perspectives. Examples include First Ladies on Showtime, Wild Seed, which is being developed at Amazon, and House of Chow, which is in development at, at HBO. You can learn more about her at RevKarenFrost.com. Reverend Karen, welcome to Ministers Talking Chat. Thank you. Happy to be here. And good to know that I can actually curse because there was all of these bleeps in the intro. I was like, <laughs> be uncensored here. So good to know I can. Yes. Yes. You are more than happy to be un welcome to be uncensored on this program. So, uh, folks, we've been having a wild conversation in the background of today's program in preparation. Uh, lots going on. But we want to welcome back Rev Z. You were off on a little business last week. So welcome back, sir. Yes, yes. Uh, glad to be back. Uh, the last three weeks or so, I've been gallivanting across the country, and um, I'm glad to be home and and not gallivanting for at least another three weeks. So glad to be back, and let's get it started. Let's get it started. Exactly. Rev Z was at the Celebrating Our Soul conference 
uh, at Unity Village just a week or uh, two weeks now ago, almost. And Reverend Karen, you were there as well. So um, before we get into our main topic, tell us a little bit. What was that like for you? You were we were we were media partners. He was in doing stuff and on the team. Um, but you were a, an attendee, as it were. Tell us a little bit about your experience. There. Well, um, before actually, I want to give a little background that like in two, 2020, when we were having this big conversation about race together as a country, I realized how how little education I'd had around black history and within New Thought. I'd never taken a black history in New Thought class. And so I took one through the Universal Foundation for Better Living, and they were at this conference. And I didn't know anything about Unity's history, specifically with racism. And I learned a lot about that. And, you know, this, this conference really felt like, especially with it being hosted at Unity, felt like Unity's acknowledgments of, of racism and like their very first effort in rectifying uh, how they had treated black ministers in the past. And so this, this moment really felt like all of the new thought organizations really coming together and having a conversation that we've needed to have for decades. Beautiful. Yes. I happened to be at the international new thought Alliance conference in Chicago a few weeks prior to that, um, which was, at the Christ Universal Temple, the house that Johnny Coleman built, and uh, and it, it, I had a very similar experience. Learned so much about the history of not what was prior to New Thought, what not New Thought is built upon, but the history of the organizations itself. And um, and it's good to see that we're we're doing the work of healing those past transgressions. Let's call it that. Yeah, and I and I would say you know closing that out is that. I was there, I did a workshop, well attended, great energy, uh, looking forward to the next one. But I would advise everyone, if you can go out, I, and I don't have the, the, the URL, I'll see if I can find it, to go out and watch the Sunday service given by Reverend Dr. Sheila McKeithen, uh, which is on the Unity site, outstanding. Uh, it was the close, they used that day to close out the program, great music, but her, her talk, uh, about you know new thought in general black new thought you gotta listen and if it doesn't inspire you then i'm gonna i don't know i'm gonna do something but i don't know what yet Come back to me. <laughs> exactly all right so big story of the week folks uh if you haven't heard this one you probably just haven't been paying attention and that's okay for a, a lot of people in America, this story has no impact whatsoever. Uh, but for a lot of people in America, this has a huge impact. Uh, we are canceling, uh, forgiving. What I don't know how we would want to frame this because depending on what word I use is going to depend, going to force you into one perspective or another. But ultimately, the federal government is agreeing to erase student debt. Uh, for a large number of borrowers. Now, it's not all of their debt. It's not every dime. It's not immediate. It's There's still a lot of loopholes and a lot of things that have to be finalized. But we're in the process of helping a group of people that have been straddled with what I will label as predatory and oppressive debt in trying to get an education. Uh, I didn't take student loans and, and therefore did, haven't dealt in this world. Um, 
Reverend Karen, we talked a little bit. You did take some loans in your education. Z, I have, we haven't checked in with you yet, but um, what do we see here? Is this is this uh, a good thing? Is this elitist? Is this just giving more money back to the white folk? I, what's really happening here? What do we see as a new thought perspective? So, I, if I if if I could, having uh, been a college professor for a few years and and uh, and understanding that from that perspective, having been a student, having been a professor, having had three kids go through the university system. Um, I think this is a great thing, right? Because if we can bail out companies, right, and we say, all right, well, you bail out the company, you save jobs. Fair enough. Not No argument there. But this economy, this country is built on the back of the majority of the people who right now are struggling with loans. And they're worried about they can't buy cars and they can't buy refrigerators and houses. Well, that's because they're paying three and four hundred dollars a month on student loans. Now, with rising rents and everything else rising, most kids aren't coming out of the college making, you know, six-figure jobs. So to try to wheel all that is tough. $10,000 may not sound like a lot, but in some cases, that's that's a down payment with the home for a home with some assistance programs. And now you're going to sell some more refrigerators and washers and paint jobs and whatever. So I think it's great. Um, of course, like anything, it has its uh, point counterpoint, but that's with anything, right? And the pundits will always find something wrong with even, you know, a great piece of pie. It, where the pie ain't big enough, you ain't, you ain't, you ain't got enough crust. <clears throat> so, so we're not going to worry about them. We know there's some issues that need to be worked out, but I think to get rid of ten thousand dollars in debt for people who have, uh, who make less, one hundred twenty-five thousand dollars or less. And, and if they got a federal loan and it's 20000 if they got a Pell Grant, that's going to put a lot of money back into the economy from my perspective. Yeah. That's a really good point. Uh, you know, the, I think of what the cost of tuition is for college mm -hmm. now and the, and the fact that this is just now happening in 2022 is representative of what what people have been paying for tuition all of this time 10k is a drop in the bucket for a whole lot of people but as you all have said that drop is significant and i think the biggest thing out of this isn't just the forgiveness of that 10k is is the fact that what comes along with these bill is stopping these predatory practices one of the things that we talked about offline was how so many people have posted about what their uh, with how their payment structure has looked, where they started off, say, with 100K worth of debt, they've been making payments for 20 years, and now they have 101K worth of debt, that regardless of the amount of payments they've been making over the years, nothing has changed. It's kind of like the way that our, our um, mortgages are set up, right? Where you're paying for years, and all of that is going to interest. You don't even get to the capital until much later. And so just the way that loans themselves are structured, uh, I think that the fact that we're addressing this together as a country and not putting 18 year olds who are making this decision on investing in themselves and saying, here's a whole lot of debt. And I think, you know, also to your point, Rev Z, what you said of how people are not graduating, it's not even six figures. People are, are college graduates are being paid under the property, the um, poverty value when they come out of college. And it takes a really long time. I am 
41 years old and I have yet to make $55,000 a year with a master's degree and working as an executive in Hollywood. So I would say that that the way that we are paying people in the United States is significantly low and it takes a long time for a college graduate to be able not just to recoup the investments of their education, but to be able to live, to have enough money to invest in a home, you know, that the millennials and Gen Z are less likely to buy homes. They can, they're not even buying laundry detergent. They're making laundry detergent from home. So, you know, what you're saying about the economy, it is absolutely necessary. Yeah. Well, you know, and, and, and a key thing, you know, my oldest daughter, she finished school, I don't know, 20-something years ago. Her her oldest son has graduated from college. And believe it or not, she's still paying off her student loans. Um, that is ridiculous. Um, yes. And, you know, <clears throat> it's, it's, it's almost another way. I hate to use the S word, but it's almost another way of slavery, right? To, or, or sharecropping. Let me, let me clean it up a little bit. It's definitely like a sharecropping mentality where once we get you, you're never getting out of here. Uh, and so I think, you know, a key component will be uh, in addition to that. And, and now this is going to be put the onus on some of the people. People need to become more financially educated. And I know for sure in the minority communities where uh, managing debt and, and, and paying bills and those kinds of things are not often talked about in the home because the parents or the caregivers or guardians are not uh, uh, duly educated in financial literacy. So here's an opportunity to do a great big thing, right? We can reduce some debt. We can start pushing. And they are, I know in the, in the African-American community is being pushed uh, because there's a lot of money rolling around, uh, but how to become financially literate, how to look at doing wills, how to look at investing, how to look at uh, insurance policies, things that people poo-poo, but they set up a legacy for people. I mean, how often now do we see uh, people pass away and then there's a GoFundMe account to try to bury them? I mean, a life insurance policy will take care of that. Um, and since since we're all going to check out, ain't none of us going to stay here, a life insurance policy is going to pay, right? Because we're all checking out. <laughs> We we trust they're going to pay. <laughs> I, but I, th I think that's part of it is the younger kids today, they've seen what happened to their folks. They see, they've seen what was done to their grandparents. And whether it was the housing crisis of 08 or the impending crash of the housing market, whether it's student debt, whether it's traditional credit card, unsecured credit card debt, they have witnessed how the establishment predominantly is a predator, is preying on people and for money, for, for the greed, for self-wealth, for self-interest. And I think a lot of kids, rightfully so, want to have nothing to do with those. So you say life insurance and they say old white guy trying to take my money. And I can, I, and I can feel into that. And I have my life insurance, right? But, and, and I trust it'll still be there to pay when, when the time comes. I think that to me, this points to a, a restructure, a need to restructure. We were sharing before the show. Uh, so I've got a kid just starting college, first term, 
living away for the first time. And the numbers are staggering. But the school has given us so much back. And the thousands of dollars that the school is saying, well, we're going to give you in in organization or in yeah in organizational scholarships okay so that's really just money you don't need to charge me in the beginning but you're gonna right and it, and it feels like and i know this is true in many places but even the best of schools seem to have gone to being money makers rather than educators they're in it for the profits. They're in it to sell T-shirts and sweatshirts. Yeah, if some kids get educated along the way, cool. But that ain't on me. And I heard a piece yesterday, the day before, somebody suggested schools should be required to stay connected with their graduates for up to 10 years. And if after 10 years, the kid isn't making, the person isn't making a livable wage from the education they received, then the institute should cut, pick up and pay off their loads. Wild, crazy ideas. But when we hear stories of people that have been paying in for 20, 20 years and still owe exactly what they owed 20 years ago, I think it's time to try something radical. I'm going to speak to the, the colleges part. I, I was a college admissions counselor at Columbia College in Chicago about 10 years ago. And uh, Columbia College Chicago at that point, I can't say about today, was the least expensive private arts college in the country. And tuition in 2009 was like $18,000. And I can tell you that having buildings in Chicago, the um, equipment that's required for there's also administrative costs and things like that, that Columbia was hemorrhaging money at the time. And there was a big question. You know, we were talking, about, you mentioned the economic crisis of 2008. I was there in 2009. So we were definitely in a space of economic crisis. But um, arts education, just as an example, like, is is that going to pay off? You know, it, it was about, um, it was about providing access to education. So the kind of people that had an arts kind of brain, but, you know, I actually spent a lot of time in high schools in the South side of Chicago. And to your point, Robert, there were a lot more scholarships with, for uh, youth who had that financial need. So that's why we spent some time. Uh, and it was really about giving access to education. And I remember I lived on the West side of Chicago and I walked into a Walgreens one day and the person who was checking me out said, you, you talked to me about going to Columbia. I was there for a semester. Uh, I can't afford the semester, so I'm, I'm taking the semester off. But, you know, talked about the value of that experience of having been to college, seeing what it was like. I don't know if that person ever had the opportunity to graduate or not. But, you know, it's not a college's responsibility to. So the arts industry itself is so challenging to break into and find financial success for that. Yeah. It wouldn't be feasible for a college to, you know, we couldn't provide arts education if we had those sorts of requirements and restrictions. And so like everything we're saying about financial literacy, it's really about the fact that we are giving 18 year olds the power to make some big financial decisions. And we've made no effort to educate them on what these loans mean, what what these forms are that they are signing. 
and even what entry level um, jobs look like and how much they get paid to even wrap their minds around what what kind of life that they're stepping into when they make this decision stepping out of high school. We don't give these people the they, they don't have the right to buy alcohol from the store, but they can agree to, to sign their life away for a three hundred thousand dollar loan. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, go ahead, Robert. I was gonna say, and then if they get caught with a little bit of alcohol and, and go out and have a drink, then all kinds of hell breaks loose and makes it even tougher and tougher and tougher. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, so so that brings up two points to me. Right. So, number one, uh, you know, both of my kids were fortunate enough and smart enough, a lot smarter than me um, to go to uh, good private schools, one with the University of Chicago, one with the Washington University in St. Louis. Uh, and I know, and they were, you know, they start, they went from like 2016 to right now. So they've been going to school for a long time and I've been paying for a long time. But I know for all of those schools, they have now begun and they have the money to do it. If kids can qualify and go through the rigors to get into school, if if you make, um, and, 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 I, and I, I'm not sure if it's nationwide or just Chicago and St. Louis. But if your family makes less than 125, 125 or less, I think it is, you can go to that school for free, right? To both of those schools. They have programs now. So, and I'm saying that to say parents or guardians, we have to begin looking at, you know, we start looking at sports, hoping that that a kid is going to make it to the pro at eight years old, right? When we never look at the college, we have to start looking at colleges and looking at our kids and finding out what their interests are very early to begin to at least introduce them. Don't wait till the senior year of high school to visit a college. Start visiting college in middle school as a as a vacation trip. Oh, and and begin to cultivate again. You know, we in New Thought, we talk about this seed soil plant. We have to cultivate these things. We got to plant the seeds. We got to cultivate them. And, and and then prune them when they need to be pruned. And that's what we have to do, I think. I was 11 years old when I knew that I wanted to work in television. And my parents had no idea how to do that. Who knows? When your 11-year-old says, like, I want to be the next Norman Lear, uh, that he was the guy uh, because he produced shows Everything. of social conscious and, and uh, that were entertaining. And, and I did a project about him for a history fair and i was like yes that that's what i want to do my parents didn't know what to do and the internet was in its infancy then so there was google didn't exist so it was where do they where do they look what do they do that there was no way of knowing that assistant salary in la was below the living wage and that the way that people break into Hollywood in general is that their parents subsidize their living costs. There's a reason why Hollywood executives and writers uh, generally come from higher classes of income. And it's because it the barriers to entry are financial. And so that was not, that's not Google, it's not Googleable today. And so th there's definitely some information on how um, there's, there was a, a, a like protest of assistant salaries a couple of years ago. And there've been some shifts. I think as of today, it's far livable than it was when I started out in Hollywood in 2011. But I graduated from college in 2003 and none of that was, was knowable. And the other thing is that 
we have no idea what shifts are going to take place in the country we live in, right? Like when I was in college, social media had just started. And there are people now who are making a full-time living in that, in that industry that did not exist 20 years ago. So when it comes to making an effort to prepare your children for a workforce that the workforce their parents grew up in is going to be very different than their kids. My mom gave me some bad advice about my resume in college. So parents aren't really equipped to do things like that. Go ahead. Yeah, no, no, you, you, you made, you made a point there that I, that I want, didn't want to lose about, you know, what's happening in the future. And, and some people will take offense to this, but when we look at the old model of education, right, there was the liberal arts approach, right? That liberal arts approach worked because they understood, I believe, that the, that the landscape would change. But if I give you the reading, the writing, and the arithmetic, right, you could have in the history, right? You could, you, you could shift into anything because you got the math if we go in STEM. We got the history, English, and writing if you're going into literature or, 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 or if you need to deal with people or come up with policies. And then you can add on specialties onto that, which is what they did. And so that's why you still see a lot of private schools, large and small, they're still considered liberal arts programs. They take Socratic methods of teaching where you learn to talk and, and do point counterpoint and do, do these kind of things that are needed to be effective and efficient in an ever-changing world. So I think we definitely have to get to that uh, and, 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 and make sure that those things are taught and then they'll shift. I appreciate you saying that. And I feel like what something that's really coming through to, to me through this conversation is how our, like, let's say fifth grade through senior year of high school is we are not teaching youth anything that is valuable for them. That co college education gives them what they need, that liberal arts education. What are they doing in fifth grade through senior year of high school that has anything to do with what they're doing in the world? And it's got to be really frustrating for kids to be sitting in these classrooms learning information that we learn in college wasn't all, at all true. My American history class in college taught me the truth about American history, where essentially elementary school and high school was all propaganda. And so it, it just leads to that, um, you know, what, what we're understanding about these generations, the current generation is they have access to information that the curriculum in schools, you know, we're having this conversation about banning books once again, that fifth grade through high school is essential that education is not valuable and if college is the only kind of education that's valuable and it comes with this price tag that's unattainable with predatory loans attached to it we we're basically setting ourselves up for failure as as a institution in america and i think that's some of the issues that we're having today the reason that we're having these debates about who deserves uh, college forgiveness, college loan forgiveness, and who doesn't is representative of the fact that as a country, we are, we are wholly uneducated. You know, and one thing you bring there, go ahead, Robert. I, I just want to jump in on that because I didn't spend a lot of time in college. I was too immature for the responsibility at the time, but I spent a year or one, one semester. But I, what I remember the most is I was completely unaware of the LGBT community. And not just, I mean, I wasn't aware, I was aware there were people that were gay. I was aware there were people that were called lesbians. At that time, there were people called forgive the slur to everyone out there that is trans. And, and 
but I didn't know, I didn't understand anything about a vast majority of the people that I would then be surrounded by and living with and connecting with and eating with and, and learning with. So I see it as the same thing. If we can't talk about these issues in middle school and high school, kids are going to end up in college and they're still going to be gay folk there when they get to college and they're going to be thrown into so much more in such a, a, a tumultuous time in their life that we, so economics, social issues, human interaction, human sexuality, all these things need to be discussed. Maybe not, you know, we're not teaching you how to do it, but we're discussing that these aspects exist in our lives. And before we run out of time, I want to circle back on one other thing, and that's youth sports. I got nothing against youth sports, but as you were sharing, Z, it struck in my head. What if everybody that had a kid in youth sports took 10% of their semester tuition to those sports and put it in a college fund? What if we actually did start teaching our kids to save for college, like really, truly start from the beginning? And yeah, you can do soccer this term, but we're also going to put this much in your college fund. Or yes, you can go get a job this summer, but you're going to put this much into your college fund um, because we all know the power of compounding interest. Yeah, yeah. And and I know we don't have enough time, so I'm gonna do a I'm gonna do a shotgun blast here real quick. In that I I that's that's a great. I mean, we have to begin, and I know in the African American community in general, and I know in my family specifically, who I have all sets of parents coming out of uh, grandparents coming out of slavery, or great grandparents coming out of slavery, they understood that education was the way out, right? And they pushed it. Uh, they may not have been able to afford it, but they definitely said you are going. It was an expectation that was not even thought about. I was going to college. Yep. And so that's number one. We have to begin to plant that seed, like you said, and begin to 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 be more uh, whatever in terms of what we put the money into music, art, education. The other thing is pandemic showed us that our school system has failed to a large degree. And. I know I'm not here to advocate any kind of system, but my kids went through a Montessori system. My younger kids did anyway. And the great thing about that Montessori system is three grades together. So you learn a lot of the social skills because you are dealing with younger and older people. You're dealing with people that that are smarter or lesser than you in some subjects. So you may be, you know, good in reading. You may be teaching a third grade and you may be bad in the third grade and maybe teaching the first grader math. But it creates an environment that de- increases the competition and it pushes working together. And that's what we, and so now that's why we're in these school loan problems, I think, at the last point. People are trying to get into good schools so they can get out and get a good education, but they can't afford it. And they haven't been prepared to stay there and learn when they do. So they get the debt, they drop out, or they get out and making not enough money to pay it. And now we're in the situation we're in now. So good for Biden administration on dropping these loans. I'm, I'm happy about the whole thing. Wonderful. Beautiful. So it seems like we're into final thoughts already here, folks. And we do often run a few minutes over on this show. So uh, Reverend Karen, how about for you? Some final thoughts for, for the program. Um, Because this is ministers talking shit, I think it's important to note that like with, with all of these shifts, all of the debate that takes place in the countries that we live in, 
all of it is super healthy. We are not supposed to agree on everything. And um, every, every time any administration makes a decision, someone is going to be mad about it. And I'm glad that we, that the three of us recognize that this is what is best for the country and that it's laying a foundation for us to be more financially healthy and more financially stable. Beautiful. Thank you. Very, very well said. Yes, 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 yes. You know, folks, we we often talk, there is a spiritual solution to every human problem. And that's what we look to do here on Friday mornings. We're not here trying to solve it. We're not here trying to tell you what to think, but we are here to say, let's think. And I learn things every day. I learned, I learned from Reverend Karen today a little bit more about a, a behind the scene perspective of what it's like to be in a college environment and to work on the college's behalf. Uh, I, we get a chance through these conversations to learn a little bit more about each other. And I trust cast a vision for where we're headed in the future. I believe New Thought provides kids with the opportunity on how to think. And when I look at my own kids, and uh, as I've said, I've got a freshman in college. As I look at the decisions he's making, I feel proud because he's thinking through and not just going along to get along, but following the truth, the, the alignment, the divine principles uh, to help guide us and lead us into proper and good. And I trust beneficial and abundant solutions and decisions around these things. So. Thank you so much for being with us, Reverend Karen. I hope you'll come back and visit again sometime. I would love to. Thank you. Z, you'll be, we'll be back on Tuesday with New Thought Today. If you want a longer discussion, folks, join us on that. Our guest this week is going to be Reverend Dr. Ruth Miller. Uh, we're looking forward to that. And before we go, we want to say thank you to our sponsors and our uh, and everyone that makes this network possible. So please don't go anywhere. Just give us one more minute to say thank you to everyone that makes this financially possible. On behalf of everyone at New Thought Media Network, thank you for being a member of our virtual family. Your financial contributions help share the New Thought message with people from around the world. Please visit and contribute at www.ntmedia.org forward slash donate new thought media network come be you and please like share and subscribe until next time peace and blessings and thanks for being with us folks please stay tuned we have a full day of programming here today be your own hero with seku rights is up next morning prayers at 8 15 the morning sip with rev melissa at 8 30 Practicing Infinite Possibilities with Lindsay at 10 o'clock Mountain. One o'clock is uh, The Joy Show with Reverend B. My, I'll be back with the good news at five o'clock. And Pastor Mike will be here at six with the Fireside Chat. We thank you for being with us. Reverend Karen, thanks again for being with us. We look forward to seeing you again soon. Thank you. Folks, have a great weekend. Z, make it a good one. I lost my video. We'll find it here in a second. There it is. Till next time, folks. Peace and blessings. Peace and blessings. And thanks for listening to this week's episode of Ministers Talking We'll be back again next week with more commentary on current affairs, world events, and any other our ministers want to talk about. And if you found value here, please share our with your friends. Until next time, peace and blessings. <laughs>